you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Focusing primarily on the story of Pentecost, this moment where the Spirit of Christ comes and fills uh, a group of Jewish folks with the Holy Spirit, and the church is born, uh, and we see this kind of early movement towards uh, fellowship and teaching and sharing things in kind. The lectionary skips us from chapter 2, which is dealing with this, to chapter 7 today in the story of the stoning of Stephen. There's a decent bit that happens in between those that I think needs to give us context for what is happening uh, with this very brief passage they gave us today. Uh, After the story of Pentecost, uh, we have the earliest stories of the church and what it's like for them to exist uh, at at Jerusalem primarily, to to be this new movement that's currently within Judaism that is uh, emerging and uh, filled with excitement. Uh, the, the, The earliest stories focus on Peter and John going about and doing the same things that Jesus had done and had given them power to do. They go out, they preach, and they heal people, and they offer forgiveness. And this is an affront to the religious leaders. Uh, we've killed your leader. You need to stop these things. So they, they uh, go back and forth, and it's clear that the, the apostles are not going to stop what they feel they're called to do. And it's clear that the religious leaders are not going to stop trying to stop them from doing what they are called to do. So they go back and forth. We have a, a couple good jail scenes. We have uh, some, some healings in there and some good old verbal warfare. Uh, and then we get uh, to kind of the first crisis moment of the early church. We have the rock star preachers, the, the mighty voices from Jesus who have spent their ministry with him and they're now sent in his spirit to go and proclaim the gospel. And they're pretty busy. So they're going to Uh, go to here and to there and to here and to there, and they're going to go preach the gospel. And and some uh, mumbling begins to emerge in the church. That never happens anywhere in a church. Uh, There's a grumbling uh, because two women's groups are having some conflict. The uh, Jewish women, the Jewish widows of the church, are being cared for extravagantly. They never miss a meal. They never uh, are wanting for anything but the Hellenistic widows, the, uh, the women whose uh, family is ethnically Greek who have uh, uh, kind of converted to Judaism, these widows are being neglected. They are hungry, they are uh, struggling, and quite frankly, they are jealous. This is, this is a not fair moment. And so they come to the apostles and say, you're supposed to be taking care of everyone. Help us. And the apostles go, well, we gotta preach. Uh, preaching is a pretty big deal, so we really need to focus on that. And so what they do in the next moment is they begin to appoint seven deacons from amongst the crowd of faithful Christians. Uh, five of their names we will never remember, but we will remember Stephen and Philip. This is another Philip, not the Philip from the gospel. There's Philip the apostle, and now there's Philip the deacon. And uh, these two uh, are the only ones whose stories we retain. So they are charged with we paid somebody to come work on this this week, and it is still not doing just right. Um, 
they are sent out to go and prepare, to go provide dinner, to make sure pantries are stocked. And the book of Acts recounts a lot of stories for us, but it never actually shows us uh, a deacon moment where they go and do this job they have been appointed to. Uh, we assume they go and care for the widows, but instead we get this movement uh, of, of uh, people outside the role they have been appointed to. If I stand really still, maybe it won't pop. So I'm going to try to stand really still, but y'all know that it's difficult for me. We get these two deacons, Stephen and Philip, who do exactly the opposite of what they have been told their job is. They're supposed to go and, and wait at tables, but instead they go and preach. Our first story is the story of Stephen, who uh, is, is kind of talking amongst the Hellenistic uh, kind of Christians of the, the time and, and is up near the synagogue where the Hellenistic Jews would be. And, and uh, the religious leaders have now heard him talking about this Jesus, this Jesus who is like Moses, this Jesus who is God, and they are furious. They hear uh, that he is blaspheming God and he is talking junk about Moses. And so they bring him before a council and say, uh, what do you do with these charges? Do you, do you blaspheme God? Do you uh, reject Moses? And what they want him to say is, yes, and then uh, move on. Instead, he, uh, he begins doing a, a Bible study with them, let's say. He recounts the story of Israel and how this is the same story that's happening now. He, he preaches this message that uh, Israel had failed to see God in the midst of the Exodus story. Israel had failed to see God when God was promising to deliver them to the promised land. They had failed to see God despite Moses saying, look at what God is doing. And then he connects the dots for them. You're doing the same thing right now. All right. If it pops more, I'll change. Or I'll go there. Um, you're doing the same thing, you religious leaders. Just how Israel missed Yahweh, just how Israel ignored Moses, you're now ignoring the fact that God is on the work. God is working right in front of you right now in the person of Jesus Christ. You are no better than Israel who, who missed Yahweh and died in the wilderness because you couldn't see it. And shocker of all shockers, that makes them mad. And so we, we clearly get that they're coming after Stephen. They're going to uh, take him out, and uh, Stephen gets this vision. This is going to drive me crazy, even if it's not. We're just going to. We're good? Okay. See, I can't even do the opening announcements, but I can change the microphone and talk about Daniel 7, which is where we're going for a second. Uh, everybody calls Jesus teacher or rabbi. They, they'll talk about him as son of God even when they get into the, the nitty-gritty. But Jesus always calls himself the son of man. 
And this is Stephen's vision uh, as, he is, as he is surely heading towards death. As he looks up and he sees Jesus the Christ, the, the friend and teacher they had, seated at the right hand of God as the Son of Man. This calls us back to Daniel 7 with a different vision of what God's kingdom would be like. Most of the other visions for the kingdom of God look like a warrior king. This looks like an apocalyptic uh, storm cloud vision of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the others picture uh, a new Messiah uh, building up a battle group, building a, a unit to go and attack Rome. The Daniel 7 vision is a vision of God reigning from on high over all the authorities and principalities, over every bit of uh, worldwide power. And this is Jesus' self-designation, and this is the glimmer that Stephen gets of Jesus as the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of God the Father, uh, ruling over the world, even as he is facing death. And then he does, as all the good martyrs do, God, forgive them. Forgive them. And the story says he's then stoned to death. And if you go one more verse, it says, And Saul, who was persecuting the Christians, stood by and affirmed his death. This is Saul, who we eventually know as Paul the Apostle. But in this moment, this is just uh, this, this deeply um, tense story. We don't face martyrdom uh, very often in the church in America, do we? But this is, uh, from its very earliest moments, the reality of the early church. Stephen, by all accounts, could have gone and made some freezer meals and gone and taken care of the Hellenistic widows, and everybody would have applauded him. We need freezer meals for widows, don't we? Hint, hint, we're going to start making some freezer meals for widows here at Andover. And we need this ministry, but this is not what is recorded from Stephen. Stephen the deacon, Stephen not the preacher, goes and declares the gospel of God as the first one after these Pentecost stories. Stephen steps out of his assigned role and lets the Spirit of God lead him to go and proclaim the gospel. Stephen takes off his apron and grabs... Uh, the Spirit of God, and declares truth even when it's dangerous. And then the lectionary skips a whole other passage before our next ones. They skip the next one, which is Philip, the deacon, and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, who's also supposed to be cooking dinner for the Hellenistic widows, making sure that they're cared for, is now standing on the side of the road when the Ethiopian eunuch comes by and, and then hops in his carriage and goes to talk to this outcast, this, this uh, unloved member of society, and made whole in Christ, who sits with him and, and engages the scriptures and goes and does the preacher's work. They needed deacons because they were supposed to go preach. We get a few more stories of Peter trying to preach the gospel. We get a few more stories of his, his kind of wrestling with what is kosher and what is not. What, what will God make clean and what will God not? Philip didn't worry about that. Getting in the carriage with the Ethiopian eunuch is an unclean act, and Philip followed the Spirit of God right into that carriage right after his buddy Stephen had been stoned to death right in front of his face. He got out of the kitchen and went where the Spirit led him. We need meals for the widows, but we need a bunch of deacons who listen to the Spirit of God telling them what to do. We've got to care for one another. We've got plenty of people in our church who need caring and not to be neglected, and yet we need 
you to go and preach even though you're not the preacher. This story really hits it at, at the heart of uh, kind of this um, real common tendency amongst preachers to think that we're the, the ones who hold this special revelation and we can get up and, and uh, preach and, and that's our gift to the world. And it's humbling because this room is filled with people who have far better stories to tell than I do. This room is filled with people who've experienced the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. But this room is full of people who are spirit-born and water-washed, who are, uh, have a testimony that is great. There are people in this room who look and see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God the Father, and you know your lives have been transformed. Let's keep making freezer meals for the widows, but let's get bold with our proclamation of the gospel. Uh, this is a weird set of texts to have in the middle of Easter season, right? We, we really want to have like joy-filled, the Spirit poured down, yay, kind of text. But this is an Easter text where those people got out of the corner they had been shoved into and preached the gospel because the Spirit of Christ was upon them. Are the implications clear here? Not enough. Amelia got it. There's not enough head nods here. When we leave here, listen for the Spirit. And where the Spirit gives you a word, go and speak it. Don't get boxed into one area or to one thing. Don't think, hey, this part of the ministry of First Church is my thing and this part is their thing. Uh, Chad's the preacher. Y'all got a sermon on your hearts and you've got people who need to hear it and God will make moments for you where there is either religious leaders and there are some religious leaders who need to hear sermons, myself included, or whether it's an outcast who is uh, uh, someone that nobody else in your friend group would talk to. Listen for the Spirit of God to give you a word and then go and preach it no matter the cost. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for a congregation that is made up of many parts. That we have hands and feet and elbows and knees and, uh, and we all exist under your headship. Thank you for a congregation who has uh, a myriad different experiences of uh, your spirit. And we thank you for the, uh, the truth of the gospel that is in uh, each one of these dear ones. Lord, make us aware of your spirit at, move, at movement in our lives. Make us aware of the sermon you would have us preach. Make us aware of those moments where we need to uh, stand firm in the midst of struggle or where we need to go, where no one else would go. Lord, may we be so transformed by the gospel that we can't help but look for those moments and anticipate that you will put us uh, in just the right place as long as we are faithful to go. Lord, we know that that, uh, that any good we can do comes through your grace, so would you lavish us with it? Would you fill us with your sanctifying grace that we might love you more fully, that we might love our neighbor more fully, and it might put a sermon on our lips, and that we then might be courageous to go and preach that very message. Lord, help us move from the little corners we've been tucked into uh, to the places where we can uh, tell your story. 
I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, who raised him from the dead and gave the early church their life. Amen and amen.